some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat Appendix. It is a strong appendix. <laughs> it's it's what, grown strong. What is that? It's soft strength? I don't understand. It's, it's soft strength. It's okay. grown strong. Even though I just said it grown strong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's grown strong. <laughs> is that uh, Ukrainian? Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, cool. Grown strong. He's an illustrator. <laughs> yeah. Known for his drawings of strong men. Yep. Of... Uh, a circus strongman and strongman from the Marvel comics. Yes. Universe X Factor strongman. And strong bad from Homestar yes. Runner. Yep. Can you believe? Would you? What would it be like? A strong man from X Factor and strong <laughs> bad had a baby. I think it might be a little something like this. <laughs> I don't actually. Strongman from that. the com- from the comics doesn't have a voice. So. Okay. <laughs> well. Strong Bad has enough voice for both of them. Yeah, he's got enough voice for both of them. It would be Strong Bad, except every time you punched him, he got stronger. Okay. Yeah. I don't know who this strong man you're referring to is. Uh, Get get up on your 90s X Factor, man. Cool. cool. Peter David. Yeah, that's pretty good. (laughs) It's actually pretty pretty great. Um, I'll believe you. And then, but it gets shitty later, but that's fine. Yeah. Anywho. Anyway, um, we're here yeah. to read your responses to the uh, to the to the uh, Throne of Want episode, uh, not the episode, but to the Throne of Want area itself. Yeah, we we should we know that we're recording this at a different time, and we don't have your responses to the episode yet. Yeah. So those can still come come down the pipeline if you want to yell invectives at us. Yeah, um, people but don't. People have been kind. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So so don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, and get us started here with Ian here. And uh, Ian says, by contact, my first run through Dark Souls 2 was soured by three lackluster bosses at the end, Vendrick, the Ancient Dragon, and the Giant Lord. The Chandra's fight was interesting, but I run out of goodwill. On New Game Plus, I ignored the King and Dragon and cheesed the Giant Lord and had a much better time. Being wholeheartedly back in love with the game, I was able to be fully intrigued by, by the ambiguity of the closing cinematic. I wonder if there was a secret ending. But more importantly, I wonder what was next. Would my character restart the cycle? How could I influence it? When the DLC was announced, it all made sense. The ending seemed to finish prematurely because there was still more to come. Clearly, once all four crowns had been collected, the true fate of the Chosen Endo would be revealed. That was clearly the secret being talked about. It was not to be, however. We'll have to wait until Scholar of the First Sin for that, won't we? Nah. Still, at least Dark Souls 3 will clear up what happened. Fingers crossed. Krusty's gonna get here, you'll see. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can see. I thought there'd be a different ending if you beat it on New Game Plus. Me too. Because because I had read like there are lots of changes in New Game Plus, and I had a similar feeling where I was like, oh, that can't that can't be it. Yeah. Um, as far as the the cinematic goes, um, mm-hmm. and that turned out not to be the case. And then also, if you collect all four crowns and beat it, that also does not right provide a new ending, which is thematically unsatisfying. You know, just because so much of what the game is about is the cycle, or at least it invokes the cycle so much that. There, at least a small change would uh, would support that. Yeah, yeah. Even though I still, I mean, the, when I think about it and it being the, if you want to ignite the fire, mm-hmm. you go to New Game Plus. Right. If you want to go in the Age of Dark, you turn off your PlayStation 3 forever. Yeah. Um, I still, that works for me. And yeah. I guess it would still make sense. But I was just expecting a little bit of a nod. Mm-hmm. Even though I guess I could understand the idea that there'd be, there's kind of a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. 
there, you know, because it's like, oh, well, I've I've fought the curse one game worth. What happens <laughs> if I fight it three games worth? Exactly. Or four games worth, you know? <laughs> and there is, I don't know if we mentioned it, but the uh, the map in the mansion in Majula, if you go to like New Game Plus uh, 7 or 8 on all of the bosses, the fires on the map change colors. To blue, right? Yeah. And I don't know why. Hmm. Um, but other than just to entice people to keep going to further and further New Game Pluses in order to find secrets. This is uh, this is something that people praise near for actually when they when they recommend that we play it for one of our shows. Um, yeah, talking about how the the new game plus mode is actually where the bulk of the story is at, or yeah. the resolution is at. Yeah, and there are other games that do similar things. Like nine 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 is kind of like that. Yeah, if um, you if you think of it in those terms, virtues like that. Really, yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah, very sequel. Well, yeah, <laughs> but like the same, same same basic idea, where it's like it's not quite new game plus. Mm-hmm. That's not the right word for it, but it kind of is. Uh, Chrono Trigger, as well. Yeah. yeah, different endings and things like that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So there are there are ways to do that and have it work. But like when you introduce this idea of the cycle, and then you introduce a mechanic where you can play the game over and over. Mm-hmm. Like I think you do have to be careful about how those two things intersect because they're going to comment on each other mm-hmm. in ways they wouldn't necessarily. Like I didn't, I haven't played near, but I wonder if there's like a, a gi- diegetic reason why you're going through the world again, right? You know, and I know there isn't in in uh, you know in nine 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 or anything other than just like Rashomoning the story. Um, have you have you beaten nine nine nine? Um, I've I'm several plays through into nine nine nine. I pick it up every once in a while okay. and then put it back down because yeah. I get sick of doing like fast forwarding through the same parts. And yeah. the I'm not actually that into the puzzles in it. Like mm-hmm. I just kind of want to know what happened. Right. I might give up and read a, a let's play or watch a let's play at some point, just because I'm getting like the mechanics of it are getting in the way of my intrigue. Right. Yeah. And that that is worse than Virtue's Last Reward, which you can solve every puzzle um, if you're coming to it the second time. Like you can just go right to the solution with it. Okay. It's, yeah, it's not. It's not like they're bad or anything like that. It's just like I'm not that into like the, those puzzles. Yeah. You know. I would like to encourage you to get to the true ending because it actually is. It, it is not so much rationalizing the story as uh, like there. There is a an in game reason for what you're doing. Okay. Yeah. I just see. I feel like if not that game, then that is a reason you could be going through a game over and over. Is just see different perspectives. Yeah. Like uh, the Last Samurai. Instead, like that, you know, use that example instead, like where you're literally almost literally rationing the story. Yeah. But I'm just saying that, like, there's uh, because Dark Souls 2 deals with the idea of cycle so much. Yeah. The uh, playing a new game, a new game plus can have lore implications in a way that doesn't necessarily in other games. Right. So, yeah, that's all. They would have to design three, three full length games. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or at least make you know allowances for that mike writes in with a couple of questions hi guys i love the show and with the end of the season i have a few questions for you first while the game has some lackluster bosses i was wondering what your favorite boss soul weapons and spells are uh more than one is fine second with some not so subtle hints leading toward a connection between demon souls and bloodborne i was wondering what or who you would like to see return and in what form well i hope uh you know, uh, storekeeper Thomas shows up and <laughs> yeah, another stockpile way. Thomas. Stockpile Thomas. Yeah, I, I want to see how his story concludes. Yeah. Did he ever get more stuff? He uses all your shit to make like a like a like a pots and pans robot version of his like daughter. an arrow goal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. your new mom now. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's new mommy daughter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So, uh, do you have an answer for the the first one? I love the executioner's lance. I mean, yeah. it's not functional, but it's uh, but it's great for my build. So, 
It's kind of funny. Like a lot of those things that are, that seem like they're not functional, the PVP just, and I know this mostly from watching those, uh, those Mr. I won't forget videos, but like mm-hmm. seems to change a lot where like the weapons are discounted, like uh-huh. boss weapons are like, oh, nobody cares about this. And then it just kind of comes into vogue. Like it seems right. like it's shifting more than the Dark Souls 1 PVP kind of scene did. Yeah. Um, cause I, I don't know if that one specifically, but there are lots of weapons that people didn't care for and then, you know, have, have risen to prominence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't, I haven't used tons of them. Um, I have on my big fuck all strength character who did everything. Um, he can dual wield the fume great sword and the ivory King great sword, nice. which is like, it just, you know, fire and ice. Like it was, <laughs> you know, the idea behind behind doing it and it's it's pretty fun but he's you know super slow and can't wear clothes mm. and still carry this huge weight yeah um, but i like both those weapons a lot mm-hmm. um the uh and then i really like the idea of even though i i haven't used it the other ivory loise sword the one that's like the lightsaber right that's invisible until it pops out mm-hmm. um which again is not like a super great weapon but is really cool looking and unpredictable right so like i like weapons with like special effects mm-hmm. yeah i mean it, it definitely the ones that feel like a bonus yeah. As opposed to ones that would be central around a build. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the Black Crypt Greatsword, which is oh, what yeah. you get by uh, turning in Nito's soul. Um, which, appropriately enough, actually, that is associated with uh, Grave Warden Agdane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And the uh, the shield crossbow that you get um, is really cool, too. And that's from Executioner's Chariot or Skeleton Lords. I forget which one. I forget which one, too. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a really cool weapon, though. And also, like, just really good for surprising people. Like, I feel like a lot of the boss soul weapons, given that, like, you know, you can beat the whole game with a club is one of the strongest weapons to to actually play the game. And, the, you know, first club and now rapiers are are hot shit. But, like, uh, a lot of the PvP weapons have elements, or the uh, boss soul weapons have elements that are meant to take advantage in PvP. Right. Like, surprising movesets and stuff that the AI won't be mm-hmm. fooled by, but people will. I think the funniest one is the uh, is the Vendrick Ultra Greatsword. Or whatever it is, the one that has a, it's like a fresco of, uh, or a bas relief of uh, Nishandra. Yeah. Um, and it's like, oh, is this a mockery or is it a loving tribute? No, it's a mockery. <laughs> yeah, it's a mockery. Um, the uh, And then as far as spells go, like um, Climax is really rad. Yeah. Um, which is the uh, the thing you get for, I don't actually, I can't remember, I don't think that's a, is that a, I can't remember if you get it from a soul or you just get it for completing the Pilgrims of Dark. But uh, that spell is great. Um, especially again, but for PvP, like you never really need that for for a boss, even though it can be really useful if you yeah. stocked up on some five thousand soul uh, souls to munch on. Yeah, I never really got crazy with the sorceries or the spells, and I haven't played a miracle caster yet. Um, so, like a bunch of those uh, that are not just utility end up mm-hmm. being uh, uh, kind of extraneous. Like, oh, this either takes up too many too many slots, or they take too long to cast. That I don't I don't get a lot out of them. Yeah, and 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 they're for PvP. Like they're there to be unpredictable in PvP. Like yeah. you make those sacrifices and you make builds towards them. I'm going to uh, for my scholar of the first sin playthrough. I'm going to play an Omni caster, so I can see all the spells that are in the DLCs and stuff that I hadn't got a chance to to check out. Hmm. Just so I just um, just pump you know faith and intelligence and just be like I have stuff to cast every spell and I have lot you know lots of spells. Right. So I can try lots of things, and if I'm just doing against the main game, like it, you know, you're not going to be crippled that much by uh, taking a non-optimal spell. Yeah. No. Um, and then as far as stuff from uh, Demon Souls, like nothing, you know, character-wise, like I don't necessarily need there to be a direct connection. Um, Let's I, see I what Patches those... is up to. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like I, uh, I mostly just want some some tonal stuff. Like, and then they're doing that. I'm yeah. getting that. Like, I just want it to be. I want horror focused areas like Latria, and I think that that's that's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope that they uh, that they do something as resonant as Estrella uh, and Garland. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Right. You, I'm, I'm sure that there's always like a, a sad boss. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there'll be like a sad boss. Actually, I just thought of something too. I would like um, monster bosses that aren't just big demons. Because I was thinking about like um, you know when I was talking about Dark Souls One and how it has all these kind of big demon bosses, and then everyone doesn't or kind of gave Dark Souls Two flack for having all the dual bosses, which I really like. I kind of forgot about Demon Souls, which I think does big bosses right. Mm-hmm. Like they all um, are, and the way they do it is because they're about their environment, right? You know, so like if you look at the adjudicator, or you look at the uh, the gigantic stingray, mm-hmm. um, the storm storm king, um, they're they're about their environment, and that's really cool. As opposed to the giant bosses in Dark Souls One, which are like Seath and the various demons, yeah. which aren't that fun. Which you fight centipede in arenas, demon. yeah, yeah. You fight in arenas, and like you could argue that the centipede demon is about his arena, but if mm-hmm. so, like. That's not doing them any favors. Yeah. Yeah. That that doesn't speak well of the centipede demon. So Mm -hmm. I would like to see giant bosses that actually have more gimmick to them or more idea to them Mm -hmm. than the big bosses in Dark Souls 1. Or even do something like uh, with a medium-sized boss like the old hero. Yeah. Yeah. That that was really cool. Like I would like to see more bosses that have like a a thesis statement and, and kind of a trick to them. Because that's that's really satisfying feeling, figuring that out. Like figuring out the old hero or figuring out how to fight Priscilla. Mm -hmm. Like that was really fun. Right. For me. Yeah, um, Kyrie. <laughs> uh, a, a hawk screaming says. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, says my contact. <clears throat> the Throne Watcher slash Defender fight stands apart from other Dark Souls bosses, and that there are no concessions to the fact that you're outnumbered. The gargoyles are many, but slow and have low health. The Ornstein and Smo fight gives you pillars for cover. The Ruin Sentinels can be fought one on one. In the Throne fight, the arena itself will kill you. The two bosses are hard to separate, and they can block, making it very hard to find attack windows. Fighting these two on my Soul Level 1 Company of Champions run brought me closer to going hollow and quitting than any other boss in either game. Note, I do not have the DLC. To give you an idea, I had to kill the Ancient Dragon once, and then once more with aesthetic, <laughs> with an aesthetic, it, uh, just for souls to keep repairing Rings of Life protection and not get one-shot. <laughs> Hacking away at Defender as he was trying to revive Watcher, after eight minutes of dancing around the arena, might as well have been the most tense moment I've had with the game. My hands were shaking at that point. This fight is the most extreme example of how Souls games rewards patience. Uh, maybe it takes it a little too far, but I think it's still a fair fight and one of the better bosses in the game. Something I picked up on uh, after a while is that the boss's shield telegraphs their behavior. For example, Throne Defender will never transition immediately from a fully raised shield into an attack. It's this little detail that lets you get hits in without being hit in return. P.S. Soul Level 1 was a bit rough in Dark Souls 2 because there is no 100% block shield that you can one-hand or win with enough stability to justify using. So you just end up relying on dodging with low adaptability. There is a funny cheese strategy for this fight, though, which is uh, to two-hand the Royal Kite Shield and use the Moon Butterfly set to slowly poison both of them. (laughs) Yep. That's what I would have ended up doing if I was trying to do this Soul Level thing, probably. Um, yeah, I don't like. I've never. I'm not tempted to do a soul level one run in, in Dark Souls two no. uh, because of because of that adaptability thing. Mm-hmm. Like I, I did soul level one in Dark Souls one, and like it's it's fun for a long time. It's like really challenging and cool. Um, and but then in Dark Souls two, like I just I want to be able to dodge properly. Right. You know. Um, but I, I thought that that response was going to end with him hating the boss. Mm-hmm. 
really turned around. No, I mean, <laughs> if you hated, he would have quit. Like that is a that is a level of dedication that I uh, that that I can't fathom having. So good on you. Yeah. Also, yeah. we we never talk about the company of champions, and I forget if we ever said that 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 uh, name sounds like the name of an EverQuest guild. Uh, I we we might have, and the people can can rewind the tapes and listen back to the first yeah. episode of Jula and see if Cole mentioned that sounds like an EverQuest guild. Then, yeah, um, it does though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm curious about the company of champions just because I want that ring, mm-hmm. but I don't want to mine for it. Oh man, I'm not. Don't do it. But <laughs> yeah, don't do it. Don't do the grind. Um, yeah, that that's that's interesting. I also like he kept uh, looking for rings of life protection uh, to not get one shot. Um, I think that what he means is he had to be human to have enough HP to survive a shot. Yeah, not he was trying to protect souls because that's what I originally read it as. Mm. And I was like, what are you protecting? Your soul level one. <laughs> Go spend your shit. But yeah, can't take it with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sean Wagner writes in via Facebook. Meeting Vendrick was a great moment. Everything the game was telling you to get to this point, and my expectations were completely subverted. So the what now that followed had a lot to live up to, and it fell a little flat. The first frustration was that I immediately went to the Throne of Want, beat the duo, and then spent 15 minutes trying to figure out why nothing was happening. Remembering the, uh, the door in the forest, I ventured there, and once again, nothing. I asked Google for advice, went to the keep and the airy, through the memories, enjoyed the King of Giants, and proceeded to sweep Nishandra in one go. It just felt like the setup for Vendrick was amazing, but without the narrative thrust, I was lost and everything felt a bit more gamey than I would have liked, uh, with having to find X item before you can do this, or else you're, uh, you'll go to X place and nothing will happen. While at one point I may have forgotten why I was standing at the gates, the ending felt like I was never told why I was there in the first place. Did we ever like um, conjecture on or, or theorycraft or reason why you can fight Throne Watcher and Defender before you get the Giants kinship? No, like the, <laughs> I can't think of a reason why they did that. No, like that seems that seems like an oversight or something to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and any thematic gain they would have gotten from that probably isn't worth the fact that they didn't signpost like, oh, you did you did a wrong thing. Yeah, and it would have been like you could have done it through layout like mm-hmm. pretty easily. Like they could have had like a door um in the you know behind that king's door there we can fight throne watcher and defender and then have like another gate with a picture of a giant on it or something mm-hmm. that actually leads down to the throne of want yeah instead of like because that throne of want one up or run up regardless of whether you have the the giant thing like really feels like it's the end yeah and the uh yeah that's kind of a bummer yeah but uh that's weird because so many that you know this response is weird because a lot of our initial appraisal of the structure of this game was that it was reverse dark souls right it yeah. starts open and then kind of like ends with a funnel but even still you know there is this moment where you can completely have all the wind sucked out of your sails yeah you know that kind yeah. of parallels getting the, getting the lord vessel and you know finding these other areas wanting right yeah it, it's a it's a, a funnel but if you can't see the walls it's still you yeah. still don't know where to go, you know? Right. Now I have one way you can go. <laughs> but. Um, Chase Greenlee says via Facebook, I Dark Souls 2 a lot. It strays away from the original in terms of tone while still maintaining the same universe and essential themes. I think I like the original better for lore, but the Dark Souls but Dark Souls 2 just hit me as a more of a fun game. I do have a question for the two of you. What do you guys think is happening in World when you set it a bonfire? Does your character just sit there so long that everyone uh, you beat up comes back? Or are you initiating a new instance of the world where the previous run didn't happen? Or is it one of those instances of video games being video games? It might be video games being video games. 
That's that's my actual guess. It's yeah. but to to your credit, Chase, like I never th- I never thought to ask that. Right. Um, I don't think you're saying there so long that everyone comes back to life. I think that if it has a in-world explanation, the second one is closer. Mm-hmm. But I think that's actually probably just video games being video games. Yeah, it would have to it would have to relate to the flame being timeless. Aside from the fact that it can go out, and the bonfires being kind of these continuations of uh, of of the first flame. Yeah, um, and just you know that kind of like hitting the reset button on the timey wiminess that like, Oh, there was this splinter of the timeline where he killed, killed all these guys. But going back to this, you know, unity prime main version of, uh, of Lord Dren, uh, brings you back. Right? Yeah. And, and it doesn't, not everything resets, obviously. So like right. all the treasure and stuff you got is still there. So like, mm-hmm. you know, that you didn't reset that section of the world because you would have closed all those doors. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's interesting though. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Games being games. I think, Games, games. Yeah. Uh, Paul writes in, and he's got kind of a multi-part response here. Um, I may throw off to you, Gary, as we go along. But uh, part number one here has to do with thematic inconsistency. And he puts in uh, some quotes from the Dark Souls 1 narrator and Go uh, relating to uh, the the, the fire one day fading and whether or not you can do anything to stop it. Uh, But he says, My biggest issue with Dark Souls 2 is how its premise negates my interpretations of the original. Dark Souls 1 definitely led me to believe that hollows were humans in their natural state. Uh, natural is in quotes there, and that the dark sign was just a symptom of the flame fading and men's souls with it. Basically, the first flame was an anomaly that will one day disappear, leaving humans as either the hollows they once were or perhaps something else entirely. They would, after all, still be heirs to the dark soul, which doesn't seem to sputter and fade the way that the Lord souls do. I really like this theme because it subverts the cliche of natural being synonymous with good. The natural state of life in Dark Souls 1 universe is one of mindlessness and horror, and it takes the constant efforts and sacrifices of great heroes to hold off mankind's hollowing just a little bit longer. Dark Souls 2, on the other hand, implies that Dark Souls universe is in a perpetual twilight of the flame fading and rekindling. It's a cool theme in itself, but I find it irritating how it conflicts with the theme that I took from Dark Souls 1 of man's uh, desperate struggle against the natural decay of the world. Do we want to take a moment there to uh, respond to that? Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't understand how, how they're that different. Like did like maybe I'm missing something. Let me, let me say how I think that Paul's saying, but like um, he's saying that the original version is like man is constantly holding off, you know, the, the great hollowing or what have you. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going back. And then it sounds like that's what he's saying is happening in Dark Souls too. Like that sense of perpetual twilight with the flame being kind of darkening and rekindling. Mm-hmm. Like it is somebody like it, you know, the world is slowly fading. You go through and you you rekindle the 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 first flame and then you do it again. Mm-hmm. Like that's the you know, and you, it's, it's heroes going through and doing that. Like I just I guess I don't see how the two ideas conflict with each other. Right. Did you did I did you pick up something different from that? Am I am I misunderstanding? I'm totally could be. Like I'm not, you know. No, I, th- I, I think you're hitting it. I think one supports the other. And, you know, kind of if you take this a step further, you can say that, you know, Dark Souls 1 is about the discovery that this thing is temporary. And you can say that Dark Souls 2 is about, you know, kind of the suffering that manifests as people try and fight against it. Yeah. You know, like yeah. like it's it's an extension of one rather than a refutation of it. I yeah. Think. That's, that's how I see it, too. Like, and I like, yeah, I mean, I agree with the rest of it. Like, I like the idea of, like, natural not necessarily being good. And, like, mm-hmm. I agree that the natural state of humans, like, when they show them in the <laughs> beginning of that, um, of the Dark Souls 1 cutscene, mm-hmm. and they're all just zombies, essentially, you know, with, with crooked backs, um, you know, and that that's nothing we want to be, right. you know, natural or not. Yeah, we need to aspire um, to something greater. 
Yeah, and that's and that's goes with a uh, you know uh, general like that could that's kind of a, a metaphorical representation of uh, progress in general, right? Mm-hmm. Like the uh, we have rejected what is natural, you know, as long as there have been humans, mm-hmm. and we continue to do so. Right. Like, there's nothing natural about this podcast. There's nothing <laughs> natural about a video game. Like, there's nothing natural about any of this stuff. Video game podcast, the height of mankind's enlightenment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, just you know, none of it is natural, though. Right. You know, cyanide is natural. Um, like, there's <laughs> chemicals you know, are natural, Gary. We're all made of atoms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like. I mean, I mean, really, when you get down to it, is God just an old man in a cloud or is he just a ray of light going through a window? But I just don't – I didn't see it as refuting it. So maybe Paul yeah. will write in uh, or hit us up on Facebook because yeah. he's a frequent contributor there uh, with some clarification because I didn't yeah. see them as refuting each other either. Yeah. Um, do you want me to take the second half? Yeah, go ahead. Um, Dark Souls – second part, uh, Dark Souls 2 in a nutshell. Uh, Nishandra – and he has, has some quotes here again. Um, Nishandra says, last king of this land, King Vendrick, as he was called – he was less a king than you might imagine, but in the end, he never took the true throne. Um, if Dark Souls could be summed up in one snappy Aesop, it would likely be nothing lasts forever. In Dark Souls 2, on the other hand, the world lasting forever in permanent crisis is precisely the problem. Vendrick, the chosen undead uh, of his age, gathered the Lord Souls and was poised to link the flame. However, he was dissatisfied with such a temporary solution and perhaps quailed at the prospect of his millennial torture at the heart of the flame. He delayed, seeking to solve the unsolvable with the aid of his brother. When we reach the bottom of the undead crypt, we see what happened to him when time ran out. There's a compelling personal moral here about shirking responsibility and finding justification for cowardice. However, the broader theme of Dark Souls 2 is there are some problems that have no solutions. And he goes on to conclude, uh, is Dark Souls 2 good? Uh, I feel like the general sentiment of the show mirrors my own. Dark Souls 2 is somewhat less inspired than its predecessor, but is still an excellent game by any other standard. Um, yeah, and there, there definitely are like elements of like shirking your, your responsibility there. Yeah. But there's also like, he didn't just do it. Like, the, I don't know. Like, I never read Vendrick as just like not wanting to get burnt to a crisp. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he was trying to protect it from Nishandra. Yeah. From, uh, you know, like maybe he was wanted to link the flame, but he, you know, has this wife who wants to usher in this age of dark. Yeah. And that put his plans on on hold. Yeah. If he did anything wrong, it was, you know, being seduced by Nishandra. Right. Yeah. Like he he through his actions, you know, a <laughs> committed genocide against a whole race of people um, yeah. and B put the you know, put this first flame in probably the most peril it's been in since I mean, Manus's original rise. Yeah. You know, yeah. So he yeah. was, you know, he was definitely like not doing what he should have done, probably not doing what prophecy told him he should do, but trying to do an end run around fate, which, you know, all media and all stories ever tell us you probably shouldn't do. Case right. in point, the Final Destination movies. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's really, the, uh, it's very, there are a lot of parallels uh, between Final Destination and, and Dark Souls 2. Yeah. Um, the inevitability of fate and everything. But I mean, and yeah, his, his and you can't resist the, the child of want right like she's smoking yeah she's desire incarnate yeah like I mean, you, like you, you it probably, sounds like i'm being glib but i'm not yeah you you probably literally can't you know <laughs> right like we we can all monday morning quarterback this shit but <laughs> if we were ever you know faced with this and i'm not yeah. trying i'm not being sexist like anybody ladies men anybody yeah. regardless of your 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 uh specific identity mm-hmm. if you were faced with the, the you know the incarnation of want like, I imagine that she appears as what the thing you most want, yeah. you know, which makes sense. Like, that's why she's like such like a, she's like a demure stately queen. Yeah. Like, that's, that's... probably what he wanted to, to solve that thing. But like for somebody else, you know, maybe she would have appeared as a, something else. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. 
<laughs> see, the more we talk about this, the more I talk myself into really, really loving it. <laughs> it, it is. It does require a lot of talking <laughs> yep. to, to get there. Like, I mean, and that's and that's what's going to be so interesting. Of because I I was thinking about this um, in relation to Scholar of the First Sin mm-hmm. and how I've also talked myself into liking a lot of things about it. Mm-hmm. What if Scholar of the First Sin adds a lot of things that just completely <laughs> fly in the face of that, or just adds tons of things that are just dumb complications? Gary, like it is. It is exclusively references to kingdoms and heroes that we never see in the game. <laughs> like that big monster thing that's in the trailer is actually just like Gorbo the the swordless from Ferosa. <laughs> yeah, it's like well, I don't need to know anything else about Ferosa. Gary, we're going to talk ourselves into liking it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I, I like I liked it anyway. We're going to yeah. talk ourselves into uh, liking in, in, it more. Into applauding it. Yeah. 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 But that's what we do. We talk, though. Yeah. That's, that's that, that is what we're here to do. Radio Free Lordran. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Alex writes in uh, with our final response here. And this one's also a doozy. I may toss it off. Who knows? Toss it off to Gary, not toss it off in a British sense. What I've been, I've been, criti- I've been criticized for saying that. What does toss, toss it off mean? In uh, fuck it, I think. Okay. Whereas when I'm saying it, I, I, I think that I mean to say hand throw, it off. Yeah, throw it off to Luda, which is what I do in my daily life. Who's Luda? Luda. Yeah, ludicrous. <laughs> he takes oh. the next verse. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. It's a rap That's, thing. I don't understand you marketing people. <laughs> I'm not a marketing <laughs> Gary. <laughs> <laughs> try and picture a world without brands okay right. like i wit like i do every night i know it's, it's it's impossible it is a terrible dystopian future when the fire goes out gary there will be no more brands yeah it'll just it'll just be a lonely can of dr pepper sitting around a fire <laughs> with no one to promote it yep oh you marketing people i'm i, I take well, exception <laughs> to that <laughs> well it's just like you do you do toss some jargon around man yeah. and i don't always like i don't always know what's just a regular reference and what's work jargon yep so so throw it off to luda could have just mm-hmm. been like oh you know like the uh this program that we use to <laughs> i don't know synergize <laughs> <laughs> gary i speak in an inexplicably jivey patois of my own device that's that's, uh, that's true alex writes in saying the setup of dark souls one more or less fits the mold of the heroic myth where the obstacles faced by the protagonist are essentially external albeit with a few twists while dark souls 2 feels more literary and concerned with abstract concepts and internal struggle the problem is that this massive tonal shift doesn't carry over to the gameplay Compare the opening cinematics of the two games. Dark Souls 1 gives us, a, gives us a bombastic creation myth that serves primarily as an intro to the game's cosmology and a preview of all the, of all the crazy bosses that you're going to fight. I don't mean to diminish it in saying that, indeed, I actually ended up buying slash playing Dark Souls 1 because of the reference to the furtive pygmy in the intro. He watched it online. Um, I, thought that, I thought that phrase was really weird and compelled. Uh, compelling, rather, and definitely did not fit with any of the video game pantheon I could imagine. So I looked it up online and couldn't get a straight answer. So I bought the game to figure it out myself. I still haven't come up with a satisfactory conclusion about the pygmy, though. The intro to Dark Souls 2, however, is a small, mysterious, and introspective cinematic. It's speaking in metaphor. We see a straight-up symbolic depiction of loss itself brought on by hollowing, although I can imagine all the Johnny literals online arguing, no, no, seeing melting faces is a real symptom of the hollowing process. The Flame, which in Dark Souls 1's intro is a massive, powerful, mythic yet concrete thing, is referenced only in a deliberately minute analogy. Like a moth, like a moth drawn to the flame, your wings will burn in anguish time after time. 
I fucking love the writing in Dark Souls 2. It's smart, existential, and surprisingly funny. I know you guys have touched on the, on the humor a couple of times, but I think it's weird how little people talk about it. The problem is that it is too small for the gameplay, which is essentially unchanged from the first game. Lucatil's quiet and slow descent into oblivion is no match for Solaire's tragic downfall, which is certainly not helped by the fact that Solaire is actually a meaningful ally, uh, while the player has to keep Lucatil from literally walking off of a pier. As much as I like the writing in Dark Souls 2, it doesn't work together with the gameplay to create a cohesive whole like it does in Dark Souls 1. Ultimately, I think the story of Dark Souls 2 contains a lot of very interesting and nuanced conceptual and poetic elaboration of the ideas brought up in the first game. The stuff with the Milfinito has some really beautiful imagery and provokes some some interesting questions about the fire-slash-dark dichotomy and how it relates to the cycle of Samsara. That stuff is great. That was him, not me. I didn't edit that in. I edit these it doesn't say Sam. Sorry, you're just seeing it everywhere now, Cole. People were listening. It's not. Doesn't say that in the notes. Cole, we've been, Cole, mean, we've been meaning just, to talk about this. It actually says samosa, and every time Cole reads samosa, it, he's a nightmare if you go to an Indian buffet. Like, yep. I, I would, I would sign up for the sequel of samosas or the yep. the cycle of samosas. Yep. Just every this once one, in a while. This one potato and this one broccoli. Every once in a while, somebody just brings one up to you. It's delicious. Yeah, yeah it's great. And they're on a unicycle. <laughs> Only in Portland. Um, <laughs> Am I famous yet? Um, yeah, exactly. YouTube me. <laughs> YouTube me. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's talking about how uh, all that stuff is great with the Milfinito, Fire Dark, Samsara, Samsara, Samsara. Um, he continues. Uh, or, or she, I don't know. Um, the problem is uh, the problem is that in Dark Souls 1, when you're in a big mythic story dealing with big mythic characters like a traitorous crystalline dragon or hidden transgender moons god, moon gods, rather, <laughs> moons god, um, an <laughs> epic sword fight that you barely survive is actually a narratively meaningful action. It's just that kind of story. There are very few times in Dark Souls 2 where I feel like a boss fight actually added to my experience of the story. The Last Giant, Hollow Vendrick, and Velstot come to mind. So, boohoo, the fun and compelling gameplay doesn't gel perfectly with the creative and ambitious story. I can't even imagine what kind of game would make sense with the more abstract and literary elements of Dark Souls 2 plot. Um, I want to say Dark Souls Torment, but I'm pretty sure that doesn't make enough sense to qualify as an actual idea. It never stops me, man. Uh, (laughs) That said, all I want from Scholar of the First Sin is for the Primordial Serpents to show up. I really want to know what the deal is with those guys. That that would be a very funny like intro like what did we miss <laughs> the first scholar's cap I'm back <laughs> yeah I know hello first scholar welcome to Drang Lake he's not the crypt keeper Gary uh, they're they're serpents <laughs> yep. um, <laughs> that was very astute Alex thank you yeah uh, yeah I agree that that's interesting I never really considered that but there is like I think that when people um complain about the boss fights and stuff like part of what they're they might be picking up on this idea that like the individual story stuff does not match the epicness or vice versa Mm -hmm. of uh, of what's going on that's yeah that's very astute or the draw towards like the more personal and internal story uh necessarily made the enemies you were fighting you know kind of more intimate and personal and smaller scale yeah and what they wanted was kind of this grandiose i'm actually killing a god kind of thing that you know we even saw a little bit of in demon souls yeah, we, we we need we need Dark Souls to twine. <laughs> like that's what we need. Someone needs to port this game to twine, and it will have the gameplay that matches what you're looking for. Yeah, I was gonna say a visual novel or something like that, but I don't. I, I beat that drum enough. So, 
Yeah, thank you, everybody. Yeah, thank you. Um, if you have things to say about New Game Plus mm-hmm. or things to say about these episodes, please write in. At, uh, and they'll get read eventually because mm-hmm. we are moving into our transitional period mm-hmm. with, uh, with episodes. But uh, that's duckfeed.tv forward slash contact. Mm-hmm. Um, or on the Facebook group, which is a happening fun place. Yeah, that is at facebook.com slash bonfiresidechat. Mm-hmm. And uh, what are we doing next time? Well, next time, like you said, we're going to be doing a, an episode about New Game Plus. Yeah, yeah, it just it just get used to it. It's just <laughs> these guys um, for a little while. And then we're moving into our interstitial uh, origins and influences season, mm-hmm. or followers and influences, and we're going to be talking about 3dgame.heroes, mm-hmm. uh, which is the delight. Yeah, I love this game. Yeah, it's in, it's so pretty. Yeah. God, it's nice looking. Yep. Um, so, yeah. A little, little heavy on the depth of field, but I'm okay. I'm okay. Like, I'm, I'm kind of into it, though. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know. It makes everything look like you're looking at a, a scale model. Yeah. Like, all the time. Yeah, that is true. It's like through a macro lens or something like that. Yeah. Like, um, like the, the ba- model in the basement of Beetlejuice. <laughs> like, you're playing it, though. Yeah. That was always what I wanted to do in Beetlejuice. Um, <laughs> it'd be cool to run around that model. Look at yeah. that car. That's good. Awesome. Um, Bye. Bye. And we all pray that we will have far more soon.